Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 85 of UAB Green and Told, original release Monday, November 21st, 2022. UAB Green and Told gives us the chance to share stories from members of the UAB community. Looking to listen to previous episodes? Check them out at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. While there, leave a written review so more alumni can find us. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and Director of Communications in the Office of Alumni Affairs. On today's episode of Green and Told, we welcome Birmingham City Councilwoman Wardeen Alexander. As a lifelong resident of Birmingham, Wardeen is very familiar with the community. She has to be. It's part of her job. But as she'll share, despite growing up in the Magic City, the buzz of a young urban campus in the 70s even surprised her. Here I am, there's traffic everywhere, getting to and fro from UAB, going over to the South Side. So I did have to think, it took a lot inside me to think, have you made a mistake? Plus discover the driving force behind Wardeen's will to become a public servant. I thought, here's how you can help to sort of um, level that playing field for the students in the city by working on the school board. And get her take on whether or not Birmingham could be what it is today if the university didn't exist. To think of what I thought that first day on campus in the fall of 1974 to where we are today in 2022. And I see it as a thriving campus. Wardeen Alexander hasn't been a lifelong politician. No, the Birmingham City Councilwoman kind of stumbled into it. Growing up in Southwest Birmingham, her family always made it a point to get involved and volunteer when they could. But that could be traced to being a daughter of educators. Well, have you ever heard of preacher's kids? There's also the term teacher's kids. So if you could just imagine the majority, I would say almost 90% of my teachers I either grew up with my dad or they were educated through college, high school and college with my parents and with my dad. So that did put an emphasis on correct behavior when you're in school and when you're in the presence of your teachers. But um, it also, I got to see it from the other side, the nurturing, the uh, again, the community service, um, the admiration that the students and my friends had for my parents, especially my father. He was a coach, basketball coach. So um, just a lot of emphasis on correct behavior, getting your lesson. There was um, no question our job, uh, both my sister and I, was to graduate from college and to um, be able to make a good living uh, or take care of your family and again, work for the community. Giving back as youngsters, you know, a lot of kids don't get into that, but that was an emphasis in your family. Why? You have to look at where we grew up. We grew up in the community again in Southwest Birmingham. Now at the time, it was um, mainly, um, of course it was uh, African-American community, made up of a lot of middle-class families, but there were also uh, different levels of need within the school that I attended. So I would see my dad, um, most of his um, players would come over to our house and he was almost like a surrogate father to a lot of them. So there were a lot of um, activity in and out of our household. Um, I would see him taking the kids around and after practice, that was sort of my life. I rode in the car with him as we dropped the different students off. So got to see a lot of um, how my friends, how we all lived and uh, played in the community. And again, just saw his role as a surrogate role there in the community. What was it like being a coach's kid? <laughs> well, I said, 
with us at the USFL, um, the inauguration of USFL here in Birmingham. And um, my life has always been, I was always that little sister to all of the athletes. I got to see these same guys um, that were during school days, you know, they're the jocks, they're the favorite people. But in my house, I was like the little sister, uh, the one they protected. So it had its benefits. I would say it did have some benefits. So did that kind of lead into your your decision to choose Alabama to continue your education? Because at this time, you didn't start at UAB, you began in Tuscaloosa. That's correct. And you have to look at the time. This was 1973, the fall of 1973. Not that far beyond um, the famous Foster Auditorium standing in the schoolhouse door. So it was important to me. I wanted to go to the University of Alabama. Um, I wanted to be among those first, um, further my education. Actually had a full scholarship to my dad's alma mater. So there was a lot of them um, in Miles College. So, but I didn't want to stay at home. But remember, I came back home. So that first year at Alabama was a lot of firsts for me. I had gone from a predominantly black uh, education path to now I'm at the University of Alabama where I'm among a minority. And so I, I it was different experience, but again, I wanted to be among those first. And so that's one of the reasons I chose that particular path, just something I wanted to do down there at the university. So what changed? What led you back home and to UAB? I went down there with um, the expectation of majoring in medical technology. At that time, medical technology there were not a lot of uh, African-Americans uh, in that field in uh, clinical laboratory medicine. And it was highly competitive to get in among, which was generally a class of 20. So you had to obtain the BS degree at the university. Then you would have to go and look for an internship to complete that one year of clinical uh, residency to obtain the medical technology degree. So uh, seeing how competitive it was, I felt my best chances of getting into that internship was to go directly from UAB. So here we are in the mid-70s. UAB is a new institution at that point, established in 1969 autonomously. Building only buildings one, two, and three. What was it like on a small campus? Because here you go from something big to something yes. small. And I'm, I'm basically coming from a campus, you know, well-contained campus to a city college, if you want to think about it. And I remember the first time walking across campus. If you've been at the University of Alabama campus, you've got, um, you're walking across the campus, you've got the library, you've got Denny Chimes, very self-contained environment. Here I am, there's traffic everywhere, getting to and fro from UAB, going over to the South Side. So I did have to think, it took a lot inside me to think, have you made a mistake? And of course, UAB was in its infancy as well, and where university is a very established um, college and university and social setting. So when I came to the university, there weren't um, any uh, African-American uh, sororities or fraternities. So it was quite a change in the social life that was there. And most of my um, focus was on the education piece and um, going back and forth from home. Of course, I left the dormitory life and now I'm staying at home with my parents. So quite, quite, quite a culture, not a culture shock, but time for me to reflect had I done the right thing. But I, I really feel it was the best thing I could have done for myself. When it comes to the classroom experience at UAB, what was it like? Kind of describe it. Well, you have to think about it. At that time, it was just coming in from being an extension school 
where most of the focus there had been on the medical school. So my classes were very filled with most of the people in my, especially my biological science classes. These were all future doctors, optometrists, nurses, and I'm going down that allied health track. So I have to laugh to myself. Um, one of the students in my class was um, an aspiring uh, dentist. He's my dentist for life today. We created this relationship while we were in school. He was a senior, had returned from the military. And so he was a bit older than us, but um, he was in the class with, now I'm this sophomore. And um, I'm just very excited for the majority of those students did continue their aspiration. And so I created some lifelong relationships with people who followed their dream and are working in the medical field. With a smaller enrollment, there's probably not a whole lot of things to do. You alluded to the sororities and fraternities. So what was life like for you? What did you get involved with? Well, there, I, I did mention there was buildings one, two, and three. And I believe, um, and that there were, one was connected to the Mervyn Stern Library, which is where I did my, some of my work study. So there was this, um, this nucleus of students that would meet in building number three. And um, because at that time we didn't have a student center. And so that was kind of the nucleus, that was the hangout spot. Again, I was very nerdy, very much an introvert when I was in college, um, all throughout high school and everything. So um, I'd sort of skip through there, say hello to everybody, but I was really focused on my studies. And so um, that there was that balance there. It was more studies than that social life. You say you're introverted, or at least you were. What changed and when did that happen? Oh my God, people ask me this question all the time because it's one of the reasons I wanted to be a medical technologist. You, you were going to give back to people uh, by performing the laboratory testing, but I wasn't going to be a doctor. I wasn't going to be a nurse because I didn't want that interaction, okay? I'd have my test tubes, my um, schedule of tests that I had to perform, and then I would report out those results. So I'm helping patients, but I'm not in with them every day. Once I obtained my degree, one of uh, my latter, latter part of my career, I started working in HR and I began onboarding new hires. These are new uh, on-the-job trainees, uh, recent college grads, that now we're training them in laboratory medicine to perform work in our testing laboratory. I was fortunate to work with two companies that gave me a lot of training and facilitation in the classroom and uh, uh, speaking in front of others. And I just developed that. I got into this zone and I enjoyed the presentations. I enjoyed the feedback. It was a pleasure to me to, within six weeks, see someone that was fresh out of college that had I had onboarded them and now they're able to work independently. They're able to perform the duties that would allow them that career. And that just started me into that, um, that brought me out of that shell maybe, and um, gave me that opportunity to feel that um, by communicating with others, it could be very rewarding. So let's rewind a little bit because here you are in the seventies, you get your degree from UAB. What was the goal? What did you want to do? Very simply, I wanted to be the best clinical laboratory medicine person working in my field. I came out, actually my last year of college, I was able to start in the career uh, working at the American Red Cross. Again, one of many firsts. I was one, of, one among one of two of their first African-American medical technologists that worked there in the laboratory. So it was also a lot about breaking down barriers. 
I was very proud of the role and the training and the knowledge that I received from UAB. I carried that um, just very proudly. Um, just saying that you had graduated from UAB, you obtained that certification and you were able to do that work. And again, I'm working among uh, doctors, nurses, other clinicians. I was just a very proud moment. So I guess my goal was just wanting to do the best that I could do. And it had always been in clinical laboratory medicine. At what point did things kind of shift and you decided to go into politics? Because I'm Very guessing you never thought you were going to be in politics growing ever, up. Ever, ever, never. And it all sort of connects or it intersects with, again, um, with the role that my dad and my parents had in community service. Sometimes I think it was a very um, selfish motive on my part. I saw that in onboarding these new hires, I felt that I saw a lack of uh, preparation when it came to students that had come out of Birmingham City Schools as compared to other students. Uh, meanwhile, my mother is going through, um, she's at a point where um, early phases of um, Alzheimer's, um, dementia. So we had to make that decision to um, move her into assisted living. She wanted to be independent, but it was important to her that um, we maintain her household. So I made the decision. I moved from the home that I was in and I moved into my mother's home, the same home that I'd been raised in back in Southwest Birmingham. And so um, at that time, after I'd been here for about a year, the current Board of Education representative decided to resign. And so the position became open and it was one of appointment. So I had to go and I thought, here's how you can help to sort of um, level that playing field for the students in the city by working on the school board, being a member of the school board as they're creating policy, setting curriculum, then you have the experience you had working in the um, laboratory medicine field, you can help them create a curriculum that could prepare our students better. And so that's why I say selfish. I wanted better students and uh, give more opportunity for residents or for the students in Birmingham. And I thought that pathway would be by uh, becoming a member of the school board. Don't tell anyone, but I thought it was a purely appointed position. Within six months of being on the school board and the appointment, then I was told, now you know you're gonna have to run for political office to maintain this seat. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness. So I threw myself into that campaign hat and was elected uh, to serve uh, a full term. You say selfish, but it kind of stems back to giving back growing up. I mean, it, That's it is- right. I didn't, I didn't think of it like that. And so much of it, um, I guess uh, another thing, this divine intervention, or um, just thinking that there was someone else out there getting me through this or, or um, steering me towards this. And I have to say it was divine intervention. The fact that now I'm working with the same children, grandchildren, of my father's students. And so, and I've gone to school with most of the current residents. So there was of course an opportunity of familiarity, uh, that level of trust because they've known me since first grade. Uh, but again, being committed to um, wanting to, I saw it very much in what my dad did for that same community and just seeing it on a different level of being able to give back. So you went from the Board of Education to the city of Birmingham. What was yes. that transition like? Because that had to have been a huge step forward. Here we go again. Um, uh, 2017, 
I won, let me go back. I was appointed to the school board. I won election and I served a full term elected. And in 2017, I'm not reelected. I lose the election. In the meantime, I retire from my career, 40 year career in clinical laboratory medicine. So for about a year I did, I continued to work in the community, uh, just um, volunteering, doing different things. And so in 2018, the at that time, the current city council member resigned. And so I got, well, Wardy, you've been on the school board. You still have the desire to help the community. Why don't you apply to be appointed to the city council? And so um, I'm thankful to the members of the city council. They did appoint me. And then I did have to run for a special election. And then just most recently, um, another full term. So I'm, I'm proud of that. What's the experience been like? Because here you are at the center of Birmingham on the city council. It's got to be a daunting task because you're juggling a bunch of different things and you're worrying about an extended community that even goes outside the city limits. Yes, um, and there were some big decisions that were made when I first got on the city council that the council and the city, they were uh, working towards um, creating and approving protective stadium. Of course, we're beginning to see uh, different challenges going on in our community when it comes to safety and those type things. So I'm um, just diving into it, wanting to make that impact in community, having some opportunity to work with some great colleagues who I think are also like-minded and wanted to see the best for Birmingham. So um, challenging, but yet rewarding. I'd have to put them in the same sentence. How can you help Birmingham move forward and improve itself as a city, the, the biggest metropolitan area in the state, with the biggest employer in the state being UAB? How can you move everything forward? One of my biggest focus um, while serving on the city council, one is to improve the quality of life for residents not only in District 7, but throughout the city of Birmingham. And we know there is some disparity. Uh, the education piece, um, often um, that has challenges for members of my community. So I am excited to uh, working closely with organizations like UAB, uh, manufacturers within uh, District 7, like Buffalo Rock, Lawson State Community, to bring opportunities. Uh, one was to create a workforce development pipeline that actually gives certification and training at Lawson State that allows them to progress right into employment at Buffalo Rock, which is one of our largest manufacturers here in D7, long time uh, company here in Birmingham. So making those type of investments, um, utilizing the funding that I have that I can place into the community, I'm always wanting to put that to improve that quality of life, really making Birmingham a, a great place where people want to live, work and play. And I'm always excited whenever I can work with UAB, not only because it's my alma mater, but for what they give back to the community, how they support those quality of life issues through healthcare, through employment, uh, through their community service of their employees. So it, it all just comes full circle to me. And so I'm excited uh, to uh, have that opportunity. Birmingham obviously has a long history with the furnaces, you know, in, in that industry. Do you think the city would be where it is today without UAB? Oh my goodness. I am a member of Leadership Birmingham, their current class. And the last two times that we have gathered, 
Uh, the first was the history of Birmingham. So you have to know where Birmingham has been in order to know where it's going. And of course, um, the timeline from 1871 to now, UAB was an integral part of Birmingham and the success of Birmingham. And so uh, you can't, the being again, that largest um, employer, the healthcare, when we see the, uh, what is it, the genome and the genetic uh, research that's going to come out of the new facilities. Uh, I may not see it in my lifetime, but I'm thinking of what it can mean for my granddaughter and um, for once she graduates from college and, and what it will mean for my son and his family and the you know what that research will mean. When people start to talk about what UAB does and doesn't do for the community, I'm always quick to remind them of um, what I feel UAB means to us in the city of Birmingham and how I know they work with residents, again, trying to improve the quality of life themselves. When you look back as a lifelong resident of the community, is there a little bit of jealousy to see where UAB is today as compared to back when it had buildings one, two, and three? Two and three. I um, had an opportunity to um, go over to the campus and uh, most recently School of Allied Health Professionals. And when I think of it, it was in a small little building. So not jealousy, just a strong sense of pride to think of what I thought that first day on campus in the fall of 1974 to where we are today in 2022. And I see it as a thriving campus. Uh, it's growing of uh, the diversity on the campus, uh, the number of students. Uh, I love it when I ride through and you have the banners that are showing all the accomplishments of the school. And uh, it's just a tremendous sense of pride. And I, I feel I'm a part of that growth. I feel that I could be that poster child of here's where we were from 1969 to now. And just look at those opportunities. That's Wardeen Alexander, a 1978 graduate of the UAB School of Health Professions. Today, Wardeen serves as Birmingham City Council President, where she serves the city's 7th District. As a lifelong resident of the Magic City, she definitely has an idea of what it means to be a Blazer. For me, it's a sense of pride and accomplishment and opportunity. UAB offered me the opportunity and the pathway to be a vital member of the community. So I believe UAB also gives you a sense of community. It's not just based on sports. Just love the fact that uh, what UAB does for students like me. It gives you an opportunity to have a lifelong career, to stay here in the city of Birmingham, give back to the city of Birmingham. So being a blazer means Birmingham and giving back to Birmingham. Be sure to listen to previous episodes of UAB Green and Told. Check out our website at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Have a story to share or know someone we need to get in touch with? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers!